Hello, baseball fans. It is episode 35 of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. We have some exciting things for you today, including the Sunday Sunday standings. We're going to talk about the Astros win streak. Uh, Yours truly will be uh, having a mini rant on the Los Angeles Dodgers. Have the incredible Hunter Green no-hitter loss. Uh, And, of course, a review of that game that you must have loved, Max. Sunday Night Baseball, Giants-Cardinals, and to round it off, a flagship segment, Spicy and Dicey for the week. Max, roll the intro. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. We uh, we're back, episode thirty-five, the Bellinger episode. A lot of good stuff to talk <laughs> about. Um, you know, initial reactions. How are you feeling this week of baseball? I mean, after last night's Sunday night baseball, I'm feeling pretty good. I was all geared up, ready to watch that game. Hopefully, the Cardinals could take down the Giants in the series and the rubber match. And I mean, it was just celebration, pretty much from the first inning on. So I'm feeling good. How are you? It was a party last night. Definitely a party last night. Uh, you know, before we get into anything, fun stat I thought you uh, you would appreciate. The average attendance is out. Uh, and so far, the highest in average attendance all season in Major League Baseball would be first, the Los Angeles Dodgers Classic, and second, St. Louis Cardinals. So, you know. Yeah, they, they're always up there. They always, they always got Bush Stadium packed. Pulling the show, definitely caring and uh, trying to help keep baseball alive, which is something we are very much interested in doing. <laughs> and I think, speaking of who's alive, who's dead, good time to get into the Sunday standings, which we got very positive reaction to uh, the switch in format instead of dragging on with the, you know, deceased rapid recap. Uh, just kind of talk about the standings at a glance and really give a good picture of the state of baseball. Yeah. I agree. I, I've heard plenty of good things um, about it, too. I, people have told me that they were pretty happy we got rid of the rapid recap. But let's just go into it. I think we have the same um, division assignments as we did last week. And I mean, as we do this week over week, there, there, there is obviously some change, but a lot of things stay the same. But I'll start it off with the AL West. And this is... Um, a division that we're going to touch on a little bit later when we talk about the Astros and how good they've been. But this is pretty much been a two-horse race up to this point, right? You have the Houston Astros, who I don't want to talk about too much because we're going to get into it, but they're just on an absolute, absolute heater. I mean, they've won like 16 of 19. They had an 11-game win streak. They're really just killing everybody they play. They are currently at the top of the the division, sitting at third, 23 and 12. Uh, tied with them uh, with the same winning percentage is the Los Angeles Angels, who are also very hot, 7 and 3 in their last 10. They sit at 24 and 13. We've talked about them over and over. One of the biggest stories in baseball, just because of all the star power they have. Then if there's a drop off, seven games behind those two teams at first is the Seattle Mariners that we talked about last week. Um, 
not much has changed with them. You know, they came off a good series win against the Mets. Um, so that was big for them. But they still are sitting at 16 and 19. So tough for them. And then once again, fall off Rangers athletics. Not much for them. Rangers sitting at 14 and 19. A's at 15 and 22. Not much to talk about for those two teams. This is really a two-horse race with the Mariners sitting right in the middle. Yeah, I mean, and just on the Mariners, that loss, that was the Mets' first series loss of the year that they handled them or handed them. Other thing I'd highlight, and, you know, this is probably more accurate for player watch, but Julio Rodriguez has been on a tear recently. I think over his last 10, he's batting 369, uh, insane stuff. He had the tying home run yesterday. Um, just a lot of lot of great stuff out of them, of course. As you mentioned, it pretty clearly is a two, two-horse runaway, which we saw, but I think this Angels team is so far over expectations, you know, getting it done on all fronts. The the pitching, the rotation has been great. Shohei, insane. I saw a stat. He's got a better OPS than Bregman and a lower ERA than Walker Bueller. I mean, just, just insane. Yeah. And it's easy to take him for granted at this point because you're just used to it now. Oh, yeah, Shohei, you can do it all. But it's just like how crazy is it that we're living and literally watching the reincarnation of Babe Ruth? Yeah, I mean, and right now, they basically lead every offensive category. I sent out a tweet earlier, like just before this, about how ridiculous it is. They Trout leads the war for wins above replacement for all position players. Taylor Ward le- leads an offensive war. Um, and then Jeremy Pena on the Astros, I guess AL West, funny enough, leads in defensive war. But then the rest of it down, Ward leaves batting average. Ward leaves on base percentage. Ward leaves slugging percentage. Ward leaves OPS. And Otani leads games played. Just and the funny thing is with Taylor Ward on all these, like leading all these lists. That's not even like the main guy on this team. No Trout or Otani right there. Rendon even. That just shows how good this Marsh team is playing right now. East. I mean, it's just every level they're they're hitting you. Um, and yeah, Mike Trout incredible to watch. And they're not even first place in the division. The the Astros, you just can't get rid of them. They're pest. They are pest, and we will get into them later. But continuing with the Sunday standings, we will kick it over to a division where we've seen a little bit of movement, um, and that is going to be the American League East. Actually, no movement since last week, but kind of seeing the picture becoming a little clearer. Of course, on top, the Bronx Bombers, they continue to just be insane, crushing everything. Joey Gallo's been scorching hot. Judge and Stanton are hitting every baseball to the moon that they see. The Yankees, 25-9, and nine, uh, leading the division 7-3 over their last 10. Right behind them, someone you expect, four and a half games back. That's the Tampa Bay Rays. Unfortunately, they, uh, they won the series against us, uh, our big bet. We'll get into that on the uh, Thursday show. But they did win the series versus Toronto, 2-1. to one. Um, and then really sort of a surprising story, seven and a half games back of the division lead at a measly 18 and 17 set the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, they're three for seven over their last 10, had a little bit of a rough go around um, recently. And then, of course, that big drop off, as you talk about, you have Baltimore 11 and a half games back, Boston 12 games back, Boston just looking atrocious, 382 winning percentage. We talked on them at nauseum. They're just, they are so lost as an organization, as a team right now. I, I don't think there's any hope for them to get back into this picture. Yeah, I mean, 
pretty similar stuff from the past week. Yankees are still just absolutely rolling. They have the largest run differential in all of the American League um, and are just one run behind the Dodgers for all of baseball. But I think the biggest story in the AL East right now is the the Toronto Blue Jays. Like you said, you know, we were high on them. I mean, who wasn't high on them going into the season? But they've, they've been struggling as of late. They, they're still getting good pitches, pitching from Manoa and, and Kevin Gossman, obviously, among others. But sitting at 18 and 17, um, they lost three out of four to the Guardians uh, prior to last episode. They obviously lost to the Rays in our bet. They have a negative run differential. They're just really not struggling, and, and or they are really struggling. And then those bottom two teams, you know, I, I don't feel like need to stay much on, and the Red Sox continue to suck. Continuing on, how about the last division in the AL, the AL Central, another one that's kind of weird early in the season. You know, you kind of have the Twins at the top sitting at 2015, 20 and 15. I feel like they've had a pretty um, steady control over the Central for most of the most of the year so far. Um, but they're not really blowing anybody away um, in terms of just separating themselves from the pack. The Guardians and White Sox sit right behind them at three games back. Both teams are 16 and 17. The White Sox completed a two, won two out of three against the Guardians and then lost three out of four to the Yankees. Um, so that's pretty interesting. And behind them, you have the Royals and Tigers. Once again, the two worst teams in all of baseball. But the White Sox, I think they're an interesting story. They got Johnny Cueto starting tonight for the very first time this season, and they're playing five games in a row against Kansas City starting tonight. So the chance to get some wins for them. But the Guardians, too. They play two games against the Reds, three games against the Tigers in their next five before playing Houston. So Lots of chance for some wins for some of these middle-of-the-pack teams trying to catch the Twins up top. But the Twins are rolling. Joe Ryan is, you know, maybe AL Rookie of the Year. And Byron Buxton is just unbelievable. Insane. Still love my pick for MVP. Uh, he's been a beast. You know, one thing I'll add just on Kansas City, they fired their hitting coach today. Uh, pretty interesting. You normally don't see a firing in uh May. I don't know if it's related to Bobby Witt, who has picked it up. He's been hitting a couple home runs recently. Um, still not necessarily where you'd like to see him offensively. Uh, but yeah, the, the Central is an interesting division, and I note that both the teams that are three games back, the White Sox and Indians, are below Guardians. 500. Guardians. Excuse me, Guardians <laughs> are below 500. Um, you know, it just kind of speaks to early on. We said this division was going to be a little bit weaker. Um, it definitely leaves an open window, and we'll see. I have a feeling this is going to be somewhat wire-to-wire, as a division, just that we won't really see separation. I think it could go easily Minnesota and Chicago all the way down the stretch. And even the Guardians at this point, you know, look like they could be there. Um, yeah, and I was race. talking about the Guardians before the se- or last episode maybe when I said, yeah, they were my spicy team last episode when I talked about some of those advanced metrics on their hitting. I think they're playing well. Um, and this is the division, remember, we talked about preseason where the White Sox like minus 200 or minus 220 to win it and we were talking about the twins as maybe the spoiler team but it looks like they the twins might have found their stride they're getting good production from royce lewis who they called up he hit his first home run in the big leagues which was a grand slam um so he's been a decent replacement for carlos correa but this will be an interesting division as the year goes on i agree with you it should be wire to wire you know in another division 
that looks like it's going to be just super wire to wire. That's the National League West. Um, of course, on top, you have the Los Angeles Dodgers by a very, very narrow margin. They are 21 and 12 with a 636 winning percentage. Uh, and that actually, they're tied on the standings with San Diego at 22 and 13, a 629 winning percentage. Um, that's going to be a hot button race. I will, while we're on the Padres real quick, just say absolutely nailed the prediction. Could not have got it more nail on the hammer when I said the only team in the MLB who would sign Cano was the San Diego Padres. Pretty unreal to see that prediction uh, come true. And, you know, the Dodgers, again, to maintain that top spot, they've been playing questionable. I have a whole little rant skewed up against them because they cannot beat a team from the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, it's really disheartening. And then, Super close division at third place. You have the 20 wins, 21, 20 and 14 San Francisco Giants, only a game and a half back. You know, and again, this division is just crazy stacked. Arizona, 18 and 17, four games back. And Colorado to round out the pack. They have had a brutal stretch recently, but they're still only four and a half games back at a 500 record. And that's really why I noted those records in the Central to show the difference is just you have everyone in the West, 500, game, 500 or better. Everyone's within four and a half games. I expect the standings to get narrow, you know, narrow or wider. You know, the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants hopefully take a little bit of a lead, but still super compact. 320 win clubs. You know, that is the only division that has 320 win clubs in it. Um, so a, a, yeah. lot, a lot going on in the West. It's super interesting division. Um, and we, we, you know, I feel like every episode we talk about how interesting this division is. I mean, the fact that no team is below 500 is just kind of insane. Where if you look across the board at the other divisions, no other team has less than two, no other division has less than two teams below 500. And the NOS have all teams at 500 or better. Um, obviously we expect that to change. Dodgers start a series at the Diamondbacks tonight. Um, but, yeah, Padres. I mean, I think the Padres, to me, are the biggest surprise here. We've expected the Dodgers to be great, and they are great. We expected the Giants to maybe not be at the same level they were at last year, but but still be very competitive. But the Padres, I mean, the story going in was no Tatis. Um, how are they going to recover? But the way they recovered is Manny Machado is is playing out of his mind. I mean, it's it's like him and Nolan for NL MVP right now. Um, but they're just they're looking really good. Um, the Padres are, and this is a division that I think is going to be fun to watch. I do expect those three horses, the the Giants, Padres, and Dodgers, to eventually pull away. But, you know, so far the Diamondbacks and Rockies love sticking around. Yeah, and, and we'll see with this series. I do not, as a Dodgers fan, feel confident. Um, some solid pitching coming our way. Diamondbacks got us last time. You know, they can narrow the margin there. Biggest surprise out of the NL West, honestly, to me over the last week is the fact that the Giants traded Mauricio Dubon. Did not see that coming. He was a well-loved player, you know, pretty young into his career. Was really good defensively. Utility could go pretty much anywhere. You know, batting wasn't exceptional, but definitely sort of a fan favorite. I did not see the club parting ways with him for a while. And, and their haul back, I can't even remember, it's uh, – a catcher fringe kind of prospect catcher, triple uh, a to potentially could be playing um, in the majors, but that, that one shocked me. Did not see that trade coming from the giants. How about the NL central? 
uh, the division I follow pretty closely, you know, similar thing. I think we're going to have throughout the year doing this, we're going to have the two horse race. Like we talked about, this is the Brewers and Cardinals division and then everybody else, but the Brewers, but then a little shaky. Um, they're still sitting at the top. They're 22 and 13 with a 0.629 winning percentage. Um, they're five and five in their last 10. But the reason I say they've been a little shaky is prior to last episode, they lost the series to the Braves. After that, they lost a series to the Cincinnati Reds, giving them two wins um, in those three games where the Reds put up double digit runs in both of their wins. But they were able to bounce back. The Brewers were and win a series against the Marlins. Still looking good. The Brewers are still one of the top teams. But right behind them, two and a half games behind them, is the St. Louis Cardinals, who do have the highest run differential um, in the Central. Probably a lot thanks to last night's Slaughter Fest. But the, it's it's been kind of a roller coaster this past week as the Cardinals. We got uh, we lost a series to the Orioles at home which was pretty brutal, but we, we bounced back and won a series last night against the Giants, who are, you know, as we said, a pretty good team. So that's a good win. But the big story coming up this week, starting was supposed to be today, but it got rained out. They're going to play a doubleheader. Cardinals-Mets rematch. Remember last time they played? Big fight out on the field, lots of animosity. So that'll be fun to see. This time it's in St. Louis. Or no, it's actually in, in, in Queens, New York. Um. But, but behind them, so there's a big drop-off. There are four games uh, behind the Cardinals and the rest of the pack. You do find the P- Pittsburgh Pirates, who I think have played maybe better than we expected. They do have a worse run differential, significantly worse run differential than the Chicago Cubs. But the Pirates, 15-19, and 5-5 and five, um, in their last 10. Recently, they want, they split a series with the Reds. They go to play the Cubs next, and they also won a series against your L.A. Dodgers recently. So Boom. not fun for you. They also won a game without a hit, which we'll get into. So yeah, <laughs> finding ways to get it done, though. I, I am surprised to see Pittsburgh sort of sticking around, you know, at six and a half games back of the lead. They're still kind of outside looking in, but certainly much more competitive than we would have thought Um I'll ask a quick question relative to that Met St. Louis. You expect someone's getting thrown at, right? I mean, that's almost goes without saying. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> it sure seemed like that based on how last series ended, but I, I kind of hope not. I would not be surprised. Uh, but with that in hand, let's uh, go to the National League East to round out the Sunday standings. Nothing new to report up top. The New York Mets are on a tear. They're incredible. 23 and 13. They lead the division. Little bit of movement when it comes behind them. And, you know, there's just not too much to say about the Mets we haven't said. Um, so I'm not, you know, incredible pitching. They're getting it done. Scary team all around. Um, when you move behind them, Philly just came off of winning three out of four games to the Dodgers. Would have been a sweep if not for the Gavin Lux walk-off. Uh, and that really helped them. That elevated their record to 17 and 18, put them at second in the division, but still five and a half games back um, looking in. Right behind the Phillies, one game behind is the Atlanta Braves at 16 and 19. And then you have a half game behind them, a little bit of a drop, the Miami Marlins, who have been just terrible as of late, three and seven over the last 10. 
just cannot find ways to get it done. And then under them, it's almost not worth mentioning. You have the Washington Nationals, 12-24 and 24 record, 11 games back, just as bad of a last 10. I'd say they're pretty much out. It's a matter of time before Nelson Cruz is traded. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that is isn't that is a good point, Nelson Cruz being traded. The only thing is, he has not had a really good year at all. And, you know, we talked about how he's 42 now or something like that. So, you know, when you see a guy getting up in age, if he's not producing, is anybody really going to want him? I mean, obviously the Rays took a chance on him last year at the break to make that postseason push. But I, I think there's a question mark about that. This team, or excuse me, this division – it's going to be tight all year. You know, four of the five teams are below 500. Only the Mets at 23 and 13 are looking dominant. But the Braves, you know, defending World Series champs six and a half games back, still not time to worry. I mean, this is a team that didn't even win 90 games last year, snuck in, and they won a World Series. So it's still early. Anything can happen. The Phillies, you know, Bryce Harper won NL Player of the Week today. And, and obviously, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about you rant against the Phillies and, and the Dodgers, but and it's a fun division to watch. You know, all of these teams are pretty competitive and yeah, the Marlins have, they've slipped recently, lost the series to the Brewers and they've just kind of, they've just kind of been, been disappointing as of late. Yeah. You know, one thing I'll add, I'd like to say hello to Bryce Harper, who very clearly is a listener after I made him my dicey player or my bad player on player watch. He heard it, he took it to heart and he became the best player in baseball since then, he's had a 1.3 OPS, just insanity. He's batting like 400. So appreciate the listen, Bryce. You know, really happy to see you kind of pick it up and uh, see some of that Bryce Harper, albeit you had to destroy the Los Angeles Dodgers single-handedly to do it. But, yeah, exciting division there in the East. A lot to follow. And, of course, this is a Mets team without the Grom. We'll, we'll see, but I'm terrified when he comes back. They may not lose. Just they may just not lose. Yeah, that's ridiculous. They don't even have him. I mean, this staff is already like really, really good top of baseball. And then they're going to get the best pitcher in all of baseball on top of that. But I don't know. Cardinals will take care of him this weekend or this week, I guess. Hopefully, hopefully no one gets hurt in the process. We'll see. But uh, I think with that rounds out the Sunday standings, um, next order, order of business, it's a win streak we have to talk about, not necessarily – a team I want to talk about, but this is part of the price of being a capital J journalist. You know, you got to cover all of baseball. So with that leader, Max, you want to take us away? Yeah, the Houston Astros, 11 game win streak. So they started the season off this year, 11 and 11. And then they went on a, just an absolute tear winning 11 games in a row, looking like the Houston Astros we've known, you know, for the past several years now. And it's just crazy. You know, the stories going into this this season where it was the Otani Trout, are they finally going to make the playoffs? They made moves for Syndergaard. They look, they're looking good. And it was the Mariners. Everybody loves the Mariners. They almost missed the playoffs last year, or they almost made the playoffs last year. Will they do it this year? And it's like, you know, no one wants and, – and the Rangers, too. They spent all this money. No one wants to talk about the Astros. And here they are. You know, they've gone to five straight ALCS – um, they're just, they're just the same dominant team as they've been, you know, forever. Um, some interesting stats, uh, on, on this win streak, the big, the biggest thing I want to point to is Jeremy Pena. 
the rookie who came in to replace Carlos Correa um, in, in just 30 games, his first 30 games in the big leagues. He has 20 RBIs. He has an 853 OPS. He's looking great defensively. It just seems like everything is coming together for him early. You have Jordan Alvarez, who's one of four players to hit over 10 home runs already. He was my, um, I guess we don't have a name for it, but he was my player of the week last week. Um, and so now 11 home runs, 21 RBIs. How about Altuve batting 333 on that win streak? Kyle Tucker has an OPS at 800. It's just you're getting all the production at um, at the plate. But the biggest thing for me is is this this rotation. I mean, Verlander is just he's the vintage Verlander. Framber Valdez took a game super deep uh, with only a few hits given up. Luis Garcia. I mean, everybody's doing great for this team. Yeah, th- this isn't even like vintage Verlander, like Astro Cy Young Verlander. This is Detroit Tigers, like incredible Verlander. I mean, I feel like every single start he's flirting with a no-hitter deep. He's taking games deep, just incredible performance after incredible performance. And to be at the age he is off of Tommy John, it's, I mean, it's incredible to see him. You know, off of Tommy John, he was hitting velos of 92, 93. I mean, he's piping the ball right back where he was. He's been incredible, and like you said, Jordan Alvarez has been a tank. He's so critical to this team's success, and he has been just an unstoppable hitter. I will say all four of the uh, home run leaders and double digits are in the American League, so I don't know if that's a testament to American League having better power hitters or worse pitchers. You know, that is a debate for the ages. Um, And then again, Jose Altuve, love to hate him, buzzer boy, you know, whatever you want to call him, trash can manager. Uh, he's been incredible. I think they have a 750 win percentage when he's in the lineup. Um, so, you know, it, it's not a big stat or anything. Of course, you know, your team is going to be much better when you have Jose Altuve in the lineup. Yeah, you said, know, go ahead. It's, it's just like you said, Jeremy Payne, do you even, if you're an Astros fan, do you even miss Carlos Correa? I mean, you no get way. some of the cheating out of the way and you get maybe a better player in return who's got a longer career outlook. I mean, no love lost. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is on this win streak, the Astros have held every single team they've played to less than four runs scored, which is just pretty insane to do on an 11-game win streak. They ended up losing the win streak uh, the other day to the Nationals and gave up, I think it was like, they, they, they lost pretty bad, but they gave up like 11 runs or something, and that was more runs than they gave up like the entire, the entire win streak. So th- that was pretty insane. But the teams they beat, so their last loss prior to this Nationals loss was on May 1st. They lost to the Blue Jays. Since then, three-game sweep against the Mariners, four-game sweep against the Tigers, three-game sweep against the Twins, and then they beat the Nationals once before dropping game two of that series. But they bounced back, no problem, one game three of that series, 8-0 behind Justin Verlander, who also on the streak nearly threw a no-hitter in Minnesota. So, I mean... They're just looking great. Yeah, let me just point out, uh, it is a tale as old as time, the Washington Nationals being the big spoiler for the Houston Astros, obviously exposed to cheating scandal, rightfully won the 2019 World Series and sort of were the exclamation point that changed the, the, I'd say, the future of Houston forever. I mean, eventually they'll shake this scandal, but not in my lifetime if I have anything to do with it. But incredible streak. You know, they're on top of that division. Just a scary team. I mean, all around, that is just a scary team. Well-managed, well-coached. 
every single year they're there. You have to navigate them. I just hope we can keep them out of the World Series. Unless they get to play the Dodgers. That is my dream World Series. And this is also the longest um, win streak of Dusty Baker's career, which is pretty interesting. Um, 11 games, I believe. I'd have to fact check that. I think I heard that on MLB Network. But yeah, they're in the bullpen, too. Yeah, their bullpen, too. Hector Neris and Rafael Montero both have ERAs at sub-7, sub-0.7. Um, it's just every aspect of this team is is firing on all cylinders. Well, speaking of a team that is not firing on all cylinders, uh, you know, buckle up for Dodgers fans. You know, this is kind of your time to shine or the time that I'm going to talk about the team. Horrendous. I mean, it has been hideous. It's been hard baseball to watch. It has been hard on my heart, anxiety, mental health issues. The whole nine, they're giving me the mastermind at the helm of this sinking ship is one Dave Roberts already on my hit list for what he did to Clayton Kershaw. Uh, he's back again. Of course, they lose the series in Pittsburgh. Just a terrible look. That's a team where on the road you expect to sweep. I mean, if anything, you got you have to win out the rubber match there. You cannot drop that series. Then they follow it up as if they're not done losing the teams from Pennsylvania yet. The Phillies come into Dodger Stadium. Chase Utley's in the stand. It's all great. You know, and, and you're expecting, okay, maybe a little bit of a bounce back. And game one happens. And game one is really where the focus of this series, my attention is. You had the same Phillies that two weeks ago gave up the 7-1 to ninth inning lead to the Mets. Looked like they were going to do it again. Had the 7-1 lead on the Dodgers. Eighth inning, you come back, put together some great hitting. It's a 7-7 game. You got Austin Barnes on third, runner at first. And Hanser Alberto comes in, you know, a little double switch off the, uh, I guess not double switch because pitchers aren't going, but, you know, just defensive sub coming in also take his at-bat. On the Dodgers, he has the highest contact rate and the highest hard hit rate. Of course, he has very minimal plate appearances. But with those stats, one out left, perfect scenario. Just clobber a ball to the outfield, get Austin Barnes home. Let's wrap this thing up. Instead, Senor Roberts, ridiculous call, goes, we need a safety squeeze here. This is the time to pull out the safety squeeze. It is a catastrophic failure. Austin Barnes is halfway through the baseline. The catcher, JT Realmuto, is just waiting for him. Easily gets him out. Whatever. That inning ends, and it's just like, well, you got to find a way to score there. Good news. It's a tie game. Maybe you pit in Craig Krimble. Hasn't pitched in five days. Now we're going to go Daniel Hudson, who screws the game, you know, lets in two runs. It's like, okay, well, this is terrible. Bottom of nine. First three runners on. You got bases loaded, no outs. There's hope again. I'm jumping up for joy. One, two, three, out of the inning. Phillies do not blow the game. And to me, that changed the whole complexion of the series. Um, from there, we just see the Phillies dominate again on Saturday. You know, almost dominate. Well, dominate on Friday, dominate on Saturday. And they had the Dodgers by a thread. Last strike of the game yesterday. You know, two outs, two strikes. Gavin Lux luckily produces, gets the base knock, scores the runners. Little walk-off, two-run walk-off to at least salvage somewhat of a series. But, man, this team is playing questionable. Philly, obviously not a terrible team. Pittsburgh, terrible. You have to win both of those series, at least one of them. Really disgusted with what I've seen recently. I do think you're just completely overreacting. <laughs> this is the team with the biggest, highest run differential in all of baseball. 
They have one of the top winning percentages in all of baseball. You're going to have series that just suck. You're going to have series. I get the Pirates one. That sucked. And the Phillies one sucked too. I mean, losing, what was it, three out of four to the Phillies? I mean, that's that's not good. But at the same time, you're 21 and 12. You have one of the best lineups in baseball. You, you, there are only a handful of teams, the elite, elite teams, which the Dodgers are included, that have a better winning percentage. You know, it's like the Yankees, the the Astros, and then it's the Dodgers. So I, I just think that everything will be okay. This is Dave Roberts is no knows what he's doing. He's been there. He's won a World Series there. You have the same core group of players plus Freddie Freeman, who I can't, you know, I can't imagine ruins the locker room or anything. I think this is this team is going to be just fine, um, and and I we'll see. I mean, this Diamondback series coming up. If if they struggle here, if they lose the series, okay, maybe I'll I'll give you your worry some credence. But then they start another three game series in Philadelphia, so that'll be interesting to see. But I I just think like if, if somebody else is a fan of another team in baseball and they're hearing you rant about the Dodgers who are 21 and 12 and have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner and Walker Bueller. I mean, I I think other teams have more to complain about not to, not to uh, invalidate what you're saying. No, there's certainly, it's definitely a place of privilege. Look, three world series, you know, been the three of the last five, like, you know, expectations are high. I will say Walker Bueller worst start, uh, of the season so far on Friday. It was more the way they lost the Thursday game that set me off. Like, if you just want to lose, just go lose. But don't battle back and have the, you know, Phillies on the ropes of another embarrassing, like, you know, just letting a team claw back in. And it was just the management. Like, the safety squeeze gets me. What are we doing? The only explanation is he's testing out the safety squeeze for later. But, like, Austin Barnes is the safety squeeze guy, not Hanser. If they lose to the Diamondbacks, I'll really be worried. I think everything will be fine. You know, still a good team, but uh, Dave Roberts makes me questionable. And by the way, Clayton Kershaw on the IL, so apparently saving him from throwing a perfect game uh, did not protect the longevity of his season. Shocker, not shocked at all. Dave Roberts still on my hit list, but that's my rant for the, the day, and I'll get off my pedestal. You do have a good point. They are first in the division right now. Hard to complain on top. Yeah, I mean, they're still outscoring their opponents by 70 runs this year, which is double the Mets, who are in second place in the NL. So, uh, you know, I I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. Now, talking about some other NL drama that really could have you raging and probably deserves a proper rant from uh, Reds fans, kind of my guy, guy I rode behind a lot with bets early on, Hunter Green had without a doubt, the best start in his professional career the other day playing Pittsburgh. Uh, goes 7.1 inning pitched. No hitter. Yeah, this was, I mean, talk about a tough game. Uh, Reds playing the Pirates. Hunter Green goes 7.1 innings pitched. Doesn't give up a single hit. A single hit. Throws 118 pitches, which is the most by any pitcher all year. And then he leaves in the eighth inning after getting one out. Reliever Art Warren comes in. He walks a guy, runs scores on a ground ball. So it's 1-0 Pirates in the eighth. Still no hits for the Pirates. 
And the Reds go 1-2-3 in the ninth, and that is the game. Pirates win 1-0 without getting a single hit in the entire game. This is the sixth time that's ha- this has happened since 1901, um, where a team throws a no-hitter and loses. The last time was Jared Weaver and Jose uh, Arredondo for the Angels when the Dodgers got that win. Uh, and the funny thing is, the other the time before that was in 1992. It was the, some Indians game. That was the last time the pitcher got the loss. So Hunter Green took the L, got the loss in this game, despite despite throwing 118 pitches and not giving up a single hit. Yeah, and I mean that. To me, that is the brutal part. Look, like the air, the fielder's choice. Like, it, it's going to happen. But it's the fact, like, you are already the shining star, the one sliver of hope on a terrible, terrible, not even team, like team organization. Just the Reds are like the hotbed. Like we said, they're permanent, dicey forever. Uh, but to go out there and throw a no hitter into the eighth inning, I mean, and get a loss is just brutal. And especially as a rookie pitcher, it's just like, wow, that is that is just awful. They didn't even get the chance for the combined pitching no-hitters because obviously game was in Pittsburgh. No ninth inning for the home team who has the lead. Um, just a terrible scene. I'll say he handled it so much better than I would have. Yeah. And his post-game presser, they're like, so – you just threw a no-hitter, basically, you know, kind of a no-hitter, at least 7.1 no-hit innings, and got a loss. How do you feel? And he just kind of was like, yeah, it happens, which, like, wow. I mean, for a rookie to pull that out, like, that takes so much kind of collectiveness and just composure and professionalism. Because I immediately would have been like, I mean, look at this team. Like, what are we doing here? I can have <laughs> the best day you can literally have as a pitcher, and they can still find a way to lose for me. Just embarrassingly brutal for Cincinnati. I mean, that is it's so, so tough. And the thing is, it's like right now, Hunter Green, like it, he just is the ace of this club. They don't really have anybody else. Every time Gutierrez goes down that goes out, he he plays terrible. Um, and it's this is this is your guy, right? This is the future of this franchise. He's 22 years old. He just pretty much threw a no hitter, 7.1 innings of no hit baseball. He did walk some guys, but that's going to come. He threw, he punched out seven guys with heaters over 100 miles an hour. It's just, you know, it's just been a tough red season. You know, they've had games this year where they're scoring double digit runs and lose. Um, and now they, they throw a no-hitter and can't get one run across the board. It's not like the Reds haven't been scoring runs this year. A lot of their games, in fact, I think I saw somebody say that their their record against the over-under, right, they're, they're, they hit the over a significant portion of the time. So this is a team that can put in, put up runs, and they have. Uh, you know, they played a 14-11 to game against the Brewers last week. But just it seems like when you need Hunter Green – to be an ace and he comes out and is an ace, you got to get a run. You got to get a hit. But how about how bad this game was? No extra base hits. The The Reds only got four hits. Go ahead. There was one double, I think. Oh, really? It's a, a singular double, and that was the extra base hit. But yeah, because the Pirates got, Pirates got no hit. Red, Reds got four hits total in the game. And then a Pirates 1-0 win on a ground ball. After three straight walks, I mean, it was just a pretty, pretty tough game. I would not want to be at that game. 
It's like, and I saw uh, kind of the talking baseball guys, the John Boy guys, um, on their show. They they were like, yeah, if this is the first game, you know, your first exposure to baseball, brutal. Like these are the kinds of baseball games that get fans just be like, that was not worth my three hours. And like, it's not like to watch that. It is not worth your three hour time investment. Absolutely brutal loss for the Reds, you know, and if you're Hunter Green, it's hard to be like, yes, I want to sign a contract and stay in Cincinnati forever where I can continue to throw 7.1 innings of no hits and lose. Like probably the only team that this would happen to. I mean, it's just unfathomably bad. You know, hopefully they pick it up, but it's like that. It's the cherry on top of what's been just a shit show of a season for the Reds so far. I don't think right. it can get worse. Like, this is pretty much rock bottom, I think. Yeah, it does feel like this sums up the season. It's like, no matter what they do, like, if they even if they don't give up a hit the whole game, they still lose. So, I mean, this just sums up the Red season right now. They've been doing better as of late. You know, I, I think their long win streak when they were, like, 3-21, and 21, that's obviously kind of an anomaly. I mean, they're bad, but nobody's that bad. But still... You know, Joey Votto got sent down to AAA for a rehab assignment. Tyler Stevenson's been playing playing really well as of late. He's, uh, I think he's 9 for 22 in his last 22 at-bats with a homer and seven RBIs. But I would say if you're a Reds fan, you're not expecting this team to be good this year. So there are positives to take from this outing. One, Hunter Green looked incredible, Right. Everybody wanted him to be good. This was his best start of the year. He went 7.1 hitless innings. That's great to see. From an offensive perspective, you know, there's not much there. He got four hits and couldn't get it done. But you got to be happy about Hunter Green, and you got to be happy about how he handled the postgame presser. That just shows his demeanor. He can handle the big moments, and he wants to win. Yeah, I, I do like that spin on it. Clearly, Cincinnati's found their ace. They drafted the guy. They have a proper ace to build around. Now lock them up long-term and put some pieces around them for success. So that, that is that is maybe the silver lining, if there is one, is that it looks like Hunter Green, they really found their guy. He's lethal up there. I mean, he looks like a hard, hard pitcher to hit. Yeah, I mean, like, if you like the Reds, I mean, I know people who like the Reds, and obviously you want them to win. You want them to win the game. But at the end of the day, this team's not going to be competitive. They're not competitive. They're not going to be. But when you turn on the TV for a Hunter Green start, you're looking to see Hunter Green do what he does. And he was throwing pitches well over 100 miles an hour. He was striking guys out, and he didn't give up a hit. So, you know, at least you have this great piece that you can hold on to until Phil Castellini trades him or lets him go. And the last little thing I'll add on it is the last time it happened was Jared Weaver. He had an incredible stretch there where he was probably the best pitcher in baseball for a couple years. So... Maybe that's a telling sign, sort of a rite of passage to become super elite. You have to have a a no-hitter loss. Um, although I don't think he was credited a loss in that game, uh, as he said. No, no. How about we turn to, you know, what we're doing now on this uh, Monday episode, which is reviewing Sunday Night Baseball from the night previously. And this one was great. I loved it. Wayno Yachty on the mound going for their 203rd win to set the record for most wins as a battery. You got Albert in the lineup. You got the Cardinals um, coming into this game in the grudge match against the Giants in Bush Stadium. Lots of hype about it. Carlos Rodon versus Adam Wainwright, two elite pitchers. And it was just Cardinals 
from the beginning. Cardinals won 15 to 6, and that score line's a little misleading because the, the Giants hit a, hit a couple homers off Albert, who was pitching in the ninth inning. They scored four runs in the ninth. But so many good things in this game. Carlos Rodon came in not giving up a homer all season and not giving up a single hit on the first pitch of an at-bat all season. And the Cardinals got three hits on the first pitch of an at-bat in the first inning, including Paul Goldschmidt's two-run homer um, off of Rodon in that first inning. Everything went well in this game. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt went three for four, three RBIs, three runs scored. How about Albert, two for three with two walks? He, I mean, <laughs> Albert's like kind of low-key been having a really good season. I know he doesn't play every day, and he kind of, like, picks his spots. You know, he's good against lefty pitchers, so he mainly plays against lefty pitchers. But he's been looking good. Nolan hit a bomb last night and scored two runs and had a walk. Juan Yepes, who was my good player of last week, um, went two for four. He's continuing his hot streak as a 585 slugging percentage. Yachty is hot. Two for three, hit a homer. I mean, the offense was brewing. Cardinals got 17 hits on the game compared to only seven for the Giants. It was Cardinals the whole game. Yeah, I'll also say Albert legged out a double. Always, It's one of the most entertaining <laughs> things ever to see Albert Pujols leg anything out. Just hilarious all time to watch him run at this age and wait. Uh, but, you know, he still gets it done, as you mentioned. To me, the goalie bomb set the tone. The second that hit, I was like, okay, you know, and especially off Rodon. And the Dodgers chased Rodon early, too. So he's sort of one of those pitchers. If you get to him, you can crack him and get him out. But if not, he's going to hose your lineup. You know, it, look, you can't really get a better matchup. You get a better Sunday Night Baseball. In my opinion, best Sunday Night Baseball game we've gotten to see all season, uh, unless you're a Giants fan. So 29 fan bases probably agree with that. You know, just an incredible. You have ace versus ace, the rubber match, two of the premier clubs in the National League. And it was a fun one. I mean, a slugfest, love the home runs. Uh, and as you mentioned, we did have a battery record set, you know, huge moment in baseball, win right to Yachty. That was one of the things we were looking to check off in like this kind of St. Louis magical farewell tour. And to cap that all off, they get the battery record well in hand. And they're like, you know what? Albert Pujols, one of his lifelong dreams, he said, has been to pitch in a major league game. He finally got the nod coming in as a closer with a nice 13 run pad uh as he said they hit a couple cheap home runs off of him and you know we talk about the unwritten rules of course you keep playing if you're san francisco they're always going to keep playing i don't like them hitting bombs off of albert but i think it's fair it's just like a you know i don't like it just as yeah, i don't really care yeah i mean no, like it, I, i'm more i'm more in the camp that like if, if you step in the batter's box you should try to get a hit or hit a home run hit it out of the park so i you know it is what it is. Albert was throwing softballs in there. Yeah, no, I mean, like, there was nothing wrong with them hitting those. You know, I will say Albert's ERA is a 36 on the year, so maybe not, you know, your go-to arm. But it was pretty cool. He joined now Babe Ruth as the only players in MLB history to have hit 600 home runs and pitched in a game. So fun little stat there. I know uh, Albert kept the ball, and I can't remember, Max, who kept the ball. Uh, someone got a hit off of him on the Giants and kept the ball from it. Oh, really? I, yeah, I didn't I, see that. I can't remember who it was, but it was pretty funny. He was asking, give me the ball, give me the ball. And that's a pretty cool moment. I mean, you're facing one of the best hitters in baseball history, one of the best, if not the best in this generation. 
so to be able to hit a ball on him. Yeah, get that on the mantle. Fun story for the grandkids. And I mean, yeah. to me, that that's the storybook ending, right? If you're a Cardinals guy, how does it get better to end, get the battery record, the huge win Sunday Night Baseball, than Albert's just like, yeah, little clothes piece. Yeah, I mean, this was a big record, a big milestone for Molina and Wayno to hit. They're still chasing the all-time starts record. They'll hit that later this year, which is kind of the big one they're thereafter. And obviously, Albert trying to chase 700, which, you know, he's not really on pace for. But I just love that this game was all about Wayno, Yachty, and Albert. I mean, Wayno threw a gem on the mound. I mean, I know it kind of doesn't get looked at because the game got so out of hand so quickly because the Cardinals scored four in the first, one in the third, four in the fourth, two in the fifth, two in the sixth, two in the seventh. But, I mean, Wayno, six innings pitched. He went. He actually kept a no-hitter going until like the fifth or sixth inning. Only gave up two runs, five strikeouts, only three hits before TJ McFarland and Verhagen. And of course, Albert came in to close it. James, does Albert's 36 ERA affect his Hall of Fame case? I mean, that's a pretty shitty ERA. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that there now needs to be a serious look at him. You know, you have to think about it. And it's like, well, as a, you know, as a competitor, he didn't really bring it. No, no, absolutely not. I think of anything, it's just a fun hat tip on it, you know, for a guy who's done basically everything in baseball, one more thing to check off the list. And he got a couple punchies, got a couple <laughs> punchies, maybe only one, but, uh, you know, they were there, gave up the homers. And it was funny. Albert said after the game, you know, I finally feel being a pitcher and getting bombs hit off me. I feel what I've been doing at MLB pitchers for 22 years, just pretty funny. Cause he's been, I mean, there was a 10-year stretch where he was the last guy in Major League Baseball you want to face as a pitcher. So, yeah, as you said, it was the ultimate showcase of what this Cardinal season is about. Kind of pay pay homage, the three greats, you know, all guys you could maybe see a statue outside of Bush of. Um, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, I mean – yeah, and Albert's uh, the story kind of became about Albert pitching, but he he ended up throwing twenty seven pitches, which is kind of a lot for an inning. But you know he doesn't play every day. He got two ground outs, one fly out. The fans really wanted him to get a strikeout because he he got into a couple two strike counts, but he's not really throwing his best stuff. He's just kind of no, lobbing it in there. No punches. It was very comparable to the pitching I see in my men's softball league where it's literally just a blooper there honestly it would have been pretty embarrassing if the giants didn't get a home run hit off of that then there would maybe be some concern but uh all together incredible game you know as i said in our preview i was all in on the cardinals i love when the giants lose one of the few things in life that gives me like just pure happiness so watching that come in a way that also made you really happy great game uh we'll be excited to uh, preview next thursday the sunday night baseball matchup and with yeah. that, I suggest we move to Spicy and Dicey. Exciting one here. Yeah, I'm going to kick it off. Um, I'll give you my Spicy team, and I feel like this is going to be kind of underwhelming. But I, I just feel like right now, the way the league's set up, and maybe I'm really missing something, but I'm just going to pick the Houston Astros. I mean, they are the spiciest team. They're like about as spicy as you can possibly be in baseball. I mean, they're they're winners of like 16 of 19. Obviously, they won that 11 game win streak that that we touched about. Uh, they're nine and one in their last 10. They're firing on all cylinders. The bullpen, the rotation, the batting, everything's going. They're just clearly the hottest team in baseball. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a lot to be said there. You know, we talked about it on the streak. They're scorching hot. Um, I think they, as you mentioned, they are as spicy as spicy gets when it comes to baseball. You know, I'm in an interesting position because I have, obviously Houston was on the list, but I have another sort of low-hanging fruit team. And then another team that would maybe get some pushback, but I do think they've been extremely spicy recently. So I'll go a little more controversy and give the honorable mention low-hanging fruit. Um, and for me, that's the Diamondbacks. Look, their last 10 split hasn't been incredible. It's 6-4. and four, But it's the way that they've won games, the way that, look, this is a team that should not be in the conversation. And again, still, Cattle Marte has not really gotten too involved on this team. He's not carrying the team as you would expect. It's really been on the back of some incredible pitching from Zach Gallen, um, just looking lights out. He was traded one for one for Jazz Chisholm. That trade seems to be working well for both parties. Um, but, yeah, I, I just have to say the Diamondbacks have something you want to think about. The series tonight with the Dodgers, I'm actually thinking about them. It's no longer like, ah, oh, pretty free wins, easy games to watch. I mean, they're a serious club that was on a pretty good stretch up until about half a week ago. Things started to kind of sour for them. I still think there's something there, and they may be knocking, maybe not at the end of the postseason, but I could see them at the trade deadline still sort of being in this thing based on how the Giants and Padres keep going. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're a good pick now. I, they've definitely been winning games, but I, I don't know if they'll stick around by midseason. But I'm going to pick my dicey team, another NL West team, the Colorado Rockies. Um, I think this team was kind of a surprise early, right? They were leading the NL West for a little bit. They, they've been up there. Um, and they were always a team that was ahead of the Diamondbacks. But now they're sporting a minus 28 run differential, the worst in the NL West. They dropped to 500 at 17 and 17. And, you know, since we're doing this every week, it's about who played the best that week. They've only won two games out of their last nine. They lost, um, they lost two out of three to the Royals and then got swept by the Giants, and then lost two out of three to the Diamondbacks. It's just not a team that's playing great right now. Um, I think we've seen Crohn's homer production go down. And Chris Bryant, I mean, the talk's been about what's this guy going to do um, in cores, and are, are his numbers going to be off the chart? He was even your uh, NL MVP pick. But he, he hasn't been great yet. Obviously, it's still early. He's got a 281 batting average, but his OPS is down at, uh, in the 600s. Uh, he's only he hasn't hit a home run yet, which is kind of crazy, and he only has four RBIs. So I, I think the Rockies, their time is coming. What we predicted, and what I think everybody predicted, their status in the NL West to be one of the bottom two teams. I think they're gonna they're gonna hit a tough stretch here and and fall even further. Yeah, I agree with that pick. They were definitely on my short list. You know, I think that, I think we're really seeing the Rockies team now. Um, very unfortunate about Chris Bryant. I do regret that pick. The fact that he doesn't have a homer yet, you know, a lot of question marks there. Um, but it was kind of a flyer pick. But this Colorado team, this is much more accurate to what I was expecting them to do. Um, I think they're a little bit on pace. Maybe that adrenaline or the hype from the start of the season is kind of fading. Um for my dicey team, there's a couple ways I could go. You know, obviously the Marlins are on my very short list. I believe I picked them last week, though. So you're just kind of, you know, locked in. I'm not going to go double dicey. I did that with the Reds once, you know, 
and it made them forever dicey, and I want the Marlins to be good, so I'm not going to curse them. I have to go Toronto. I mean, first of all, they screwed the rounding third lock of the week, so that was just a brutal kick to the ego of the pod. But over the last 10, they have not gotten it done. I mean, three and seven, we talked about them a little bit in the standings. Seven and a half games back that's starting to really be substantial and materialize to a point where they may not be able to equalize the standings. Look, there's still a chance anything can happen, but they're just the offensive production has slowed. You know, Springer took a bad entry in the Tampa Bay, just lost the baseball in the roof, you know, got banged. And I, I do think we should keep a tally. The more that your park specifically contributes to injury, like the MLB needs to look at that. I know like Soldier Field in the NFL, tons of injuries. Uh, the Washington uh, football team or commanders, whatever, their field, ton of injuries. And this dome, I mean, it's the worst facility in the MLB in Tropicana Field. The ball, there's all the weird regulations. If you hit the ceiling, the ball always gets lost in the ceiling. It's been a tough look for Toronto. They're not winning on Gossman starts. You know, the pitching's been eh, so-so. It's just a team that has all the potential in the world, all the potential to be the best team in baseball, and they are just underperforming. No other way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great pick. I figured you might go with them to, you know, just how just the it's the difference between the expectations and how they're performing. And, you know, I like the point about the playoffs like they, they got to pick it up because the AL East is super competitive and it's going to be hard for them to catch the Yankees the way the Yankees are playing right now. And, you know, they kind of needed that series against the Rays. That's why we picked them in that series, because we thought. You know, they might be in desperation mode, but now they fall even further into third place. Yeah, and it's, you know, so just some honorable mentions along the way. I think I cover all the dicey teams. On the spicy side of things, obviously the Yankees continue to be unreal. Joey Gallo is just a menace. You know, Judge Stanton, uh, shout out Carlos Judge, looking like he could be the AL MVP at this point, seven to three over the last 10. And then again, the Angels. I mean, to me, Houston and. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim have been sort of the talking points. I would probably say if we did a power ranking, that's probably my top two. Certainly they're both in the top three. Um, but, yeah, those some hot teams, some cool teams. Yeah, another good week. It's, it's kind of fun to track how we've done um, or, or at least what teams we're picking as the year goes on. But, you know, another good week of baseball, a lot of good things to talk about. Episode 35. We're getting up there. The belly episode. I, I like that. The belly episode, making progress. You know, hit the Twitter. We still have the clips coming out. Um, also going to start recording some rants, some live reactions, um, just covering some games. So we'll be some new content coming there. That's rounding third now, rounding three RD now. Uh, follow the show on Spotify and uh, just stay in the loop. New episode coming out uh, Thursday or Friday. Uh, recorded Thursday. Going to be a blast. Always a yes, pleasure sir. talking baseball, Max. Talk to you guys later. Talk to you next. Talk to you soon, James.